church and good morning. It is good to worship with you today. If you've been traveling, welcome back. If you are traveling, welcome here and we're glad you're with us uh, today. Uh, We are working this summer uh, talking about what Paul describes as the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5 he writes this, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And this is in a broader section of Galatians chapter 5 where Paul is talking about this principle that when we root our lives in our flesh or if we root our lives in the world, anchor our lives in the world, that will produce in us fruit. He says that fruit is anger and envy and strife and sexual immorality and lust and bitter fighting. But if we are rooted in God's spirit, it, it grows a different fruit. And the message of our whole summer is this really simple spiritual truth. And that is this, number one, there is spiritual fruit and it's fruit that we want and that we are called upon to God to bear. But number two, we cannot produce this fruit. We cannot manufacture love and joy and peace and patience. This isn't something we can just kind of pull off when we need it. What we can do is root our lives in God. And when we are rooted in God, this fruit grows in us. It is produce, not what we produce. And that's what we've been talking all summer long about. And already in my spiritual life, I am seeing fruit from this reflection. Uh, I just observed, you know, I've been, of course, working on this these ideas for several weeks, and uh, I've already observed in my life, especially in the area of peace, that when I pursue peace, um, I, I end up making foolish choices. I kind of shrink back from hard decisions and shrink back from tough conversations because I'm trying to be peaceful. But when I pursue God, then I'm still able to have the hard conversations. I'm just able to have them peacefully. When I pursue God, the, the fruit of peace grows. And, and, and I think this is happening for some of you. I got an email from somebody. They told me this. They said, thank you for the message. I have been chasing joy. And then they described some of the things that they had been doing to try to chase joy. And how it hadn't worked and they weren't experiencing joy. They were chasing joy but not experiencing joy. They said, though, that since the sermon on joy a couple weeks ago, I have been trying to chase God. And suddenly, I feel like I have stumbled into joy. Not very much, they hasten to add, but a little bit. 
And that is the spiritual breakthrough that I need in my life over and over and over again, and you need in your life over and over and over again. In fact, here, I just want to kind of challenge you a little bit. Ready? One of the signs in your life, one of the ways you can know that you are ready to grow spiritually is when you are pursuing God more than you are pursuing the things that God provides. It's easy to get those backwards, isn't it? To pursue the things of God more than we pursue God. We pursue knowledge or wisdom or security or, uh, or, or providence or favor or blessing or joy or peace or love. Or we pursue the things God gives more than God. Uh, but God always orchestrates it so it's the other way around, that, that we will grow the most spiritually when we pursue God. And Jesus says, you seek me and my kingdom first, and, and I'll take care of everything else. And that's what we're trying to do in this series. We're, we're going to focus on the roots and let God produce the fruit that we will receive as produce. And today we're talking about patience. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Patience. Now we've been reading uh, a translation that translates that word not patience but forbearance. And even though I'm going to use the word patience today, I've been using that translation because uh, that word forbearance is a good word. It means the capacity to put up with stuff. Now, I'm going to say patience today because we don't use the word forbearance very often, and I want to give you a more common word. But that forbearance is a pretty good translation of what we're talking about. It's not just the capacity to wait, but to wait while putting up with the present. And in fact, uh, one of the most common translations of this word that will be, that's there, this patience word, one of its most common translations is an old-fashioned word, long-suffering. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Isn't that a horrible word? I mean, just think about it. That's an awful word. Who wants that? Oh, Lord, please give me patience. That sounds all right. But, oh, Lord, please give me long-suffering? I don't know anybody who wants that. But that's what we're talking about when we're talking about patience. Patience is long-suffering. It's to bear with someone, to put up with someone, to endure with someone that you'd rather give up on. It's to stick with a situation, to stay faithful to a reality, to stay committed to a plan that you'd rather quit. It's to wait with determination. And patience is hard because waiting is pain. To wait is long-suffering. To bear with someone or something that is not working the way it should is long-suffering. To stay faithful in a situation when you'd rather give up or give in is long-suffering. To stay committed to God's ways and God's means when you'd rather find a shortcut and do it some other way is long-suffering. As parents, we have to teach our kids how to be a patient right? Patience is a skill. You have to teach children. I, I wrote a song for my children to help them uh, learn patience. I'll teach it to you now. It goes like this. Patient, it's hard to be, but sometimes it's necessary. Patient, it's hard to do, especially when it depends on you. 
It was a cute little song. They learned it, and, and I would tell them to sing it. Thank you, thank you. I would tell them to sing it when they were having trouble waiting for something. And often, I'm just telling you, it worked pretty well. Uh, if, you're, if you wanted to, you can go learn the song. You could teach it to your children. The song worked pretty well. I remember one time, uh, we were, I told the kids we could play in the yard as soon as I'd finished mowing. And so my youngest, he was pretty little at the time. He kept running out to see if I was done. And I, I told him, I said, why don't you sing the patient song to help you wait for me? And so he climbed up on my back. I was push mowing and he climbed up on me, you know, and I'm carrying around and he's singing in my ear. Patient, it's hard to be sometimes necessary. Patient, it's hard to do, especially when it depends on you. And I say, yeah, I get it. Okay, I'll mow. I'll mow it as fast as I can. I get that it de- depends on me. But, but often this would work. We had a rule in our home. Uh, we bought, uh, for our, when they were too little, they, they couldn't tell time yet, but they, they knew their numbers. And so we bought this great big digital clock that we put up in their room. And they knew the rule was they could not get out of bed until the first number on the clock was a seven. And so, so sometimes if they woke up early, they would stare at that clock. And I would tell them, if you're having trouble waiting, just sing the patient song. And so many, many mornings we would wake up to hear the boys in the next room. And, and Bryant would be singing, patient, time to be. And we're like, all right, look at that, it's working. But one morning, um, it was about 6.30, and he'd been singing his little patient song for a while. And then all of a sudden, the song changed. And he sang a new song, a song that he had written all on his own. And we, by the time we got into his room, he was standing in his bed, staring at a clock that said 6.30, and this is the new song he had written. Got to get the right attitude here. I know that I suffer, and I know that I want to wake up, but I never, ever cry. And then he would sing again, I know. And we listened to that song for a half hour because he wasn't allowed to get up till seven. And that is what it feels like to try to be patient, right? It feels like long suffering. That is what, if this is, patience is one of the funniest fruit on the list because none of us want this fruit, right? Like, no, we love, well, sure, we want love, we want joy. We don't want patient because we don't want it to be relevant to our lives. I don't want that fruit because I never want to need to eat that fruit. But in fact, we all need it. And so today, we're just, it's going to be the simplest message. I just want to teach us how do we get the roots to grow the fruit of patience. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about why we need patience. You all know why you need patience. If you want your marriage to last, you're going to have to be patient with one another because you have been asking them to fix this one thing for 40 years and you have told them 700 times, please stop doing that and they're going to do it tomorrow. So if you want your marriage to last, you need patience. If you want to be a successful parent with your kids, you need to be patient because they are not doing the things you told them on the timetable you told them to do and they're going to keep not doing what you tell them for the rest of their lives, right? If you want your relationship with God to be strong, you're going to need patience because I don't know what the deal is with God's schedule, but I have explained to God my schedule many, many times, and he simply refuses to accomplish what I need him to accomplish on my schedule. So we need patience, and I don't need to tell you that. I also won't spend a lot of time, but just to remind you how quickly the fruit of patience goes bad. 
Some other fruit, once you got a little bit of it, you might be able to keep that fruit around the house for a week. But patience is like strawberries in late June. You pick them, you eat them. They will not be good tomorrow. You every day needs its own patience. You can't store up patience. So if you want the patience you need for the relationships that matter most to you, you're going to have to have strong roots so that the fruit of patience grows every single day. And you can capture the the, the whole argument of this message about what we need to do to get the roots of patience, we can capture in two sentences. Number one, we can be patient with people, both others and ourselves. We can be patient with people when we are rooted in the truth that God is patient with us. You will never accomplish the posture of patience you need toward others until you are rooted in the truth that God is patient with you. And number two, we can be patient with God when we are rooted in the truth that God is faithful and God keeps God's promises. Let's talk a little bit about being patient with others. It's hard to be patient with others. They abandon us, let us down. They don't keep their word. They are self-destructive. They even hurt us. It's hard to be patient with yourself, isn't it? Because you're also unreliable and unfaithful, untrustworthy. You don't even keep the promises you make to yourself. You don't keep the promises you make to your loved ones. You don't keep the promises you make to your children. There are a list of things I have trouble forgiving myself. I would say the promises that I have broken to my own children are are those the hardest things for me to forgive myself for. The root of being patient with others and yourself is knowing that God is patient with you. Do you know that? Paul writes to Timothy, this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let me tell you why I am so confident that God's grace is sufficient for you. Why I am so confident that God's love is patient with you. While I, am, why, I want to tell you why I am so certain that even though this very morning you rebelled against God and messed up and you forsake your promises to God, even though you did it today, even though in this moment you were living in rebellion against God, why I am so confident that God's love for you is patient and faithful. The reason I know that is because that's how God loves me. I know how God has been patient with me, see, When Paul says that he is the worst of sinners, I know exactly what he means. I'm not sure I agree with him. I think it could be me, but I know the point he's making. Let me tell you a little bit about me. Paul and I have this in common. I grew up with every spiritual advantage. I was memorizing Bible verses before I knew my times tables. My grandparents were leaders in their local churches. My parents were elders and pastors and Bible scholars and Sunday school teachers. 
I was raised sitting next to my mother on the piano bench, singing the hymns and turning the pages. Every spiritual advantage. I was taught the ways of God from infancy. And, and I rebelled against it. I ignored it. I went my own way. I chose my own path. I mocked the wisdom and love of God. And God's patience for me never ran out. Not once. Not ever. In every turn. You know, some people talk about um, church hurt that they were hurt by the church, wounded by the church, and how hard that makes it for them to re-enter God's, king, God's family here and be part of the church. I get that. That sounds awful. I'm so sorry if that's happened to you. I don't even have that excuse. I never had church hurt. All I had was church help and church hope. Every church I went to was good to me, loved me, blessed me, saw good in me, spoke good into me, and yet still I ignored it and threw it away like so much garbage. And in every turn, God was patient with me. And so I can speak with confidence that God will be patient with you. Patient in your sin and your rebellion. Patient in your foolishness and your error. Patient when you make foolish promises to God that you know you don't plan to keep. And God knows you don't plan to keep. And yet you make them anyway. God endures our foolishness. God suffers long with us and just keeps loving us and blessing us. And you will never grow the fruit of patience with others until you are anchored in the truth of God's patience to you. Paul writes to the church in Rome, You therefore have no excuse when you pass judgment on someone else for at whatever point you judge another, you're condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now, we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. But when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and you do the same things, how do you think you're going to get out of God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the kindness, forbearance, patience, long-suffering of God, not realizing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Paul says, how can you be impatient with others while counting on the patience of God? Jesus tells a story like this. He tells a story about a, about a servant who owed his master a great debt, but he can't repay it. And so he goes to his master and he begs his master. Uh, he says, master, be patient with me. Be patient with me. I can't repay the debt today. Give me more time. And the master is. He says, okay. In fact, the master cancels the debt. And then the servant on the way home meets another servant who owes him a very tiny bit of money, who also likewise begs, be patient with me. Show me patience. But he refuses and demands of him repayment that very day. And then the master hears about it and says, you wanted my patience for a debt you could not repay, but you can't show patience to another. If you find yourself looking in a world of evil where people do you wrong and where you are harmed and you have no capacity to be patient 
with the failings and failures of others, I would be concerned that it's perhaps because you have become unrooted in the patience of God for your failures and failings. Maybe it's because you think you don't have any. Well, you're wrong. Uh, Maybe it's because you think God has changed and God's posture to you is now judgment and no longer loving patience. Well, you're, you're wrong about that too. I know, because if God was going to give up on somebody, he would have given up on me first. So how do we do this? How do we grow the fruit of patience for others in the tree of our life? Well, imagine that servant. Imagine if he had really stayed rooted in what had just happened. Walking home, sort of skipping along, the debt having just been forgiven, and staying rooted in that amazing grace, he meets the servant who owes him money. If he had stayed rooted, what might he have said? You owe me money. Guess what? For the first time in my life, I can release you of that debt. Because as long as I owed the master money, I needed to squeeze every penny out of you to try and repay him. But I don't owe him money anymore. I can forgive you. In fact, I got so much bonus cash right now, you should come to the party. I'm throwing a big party to celebrate the patience of my master. That's what it would have been like if he'd stayed rooted in the patience of his master. And now imagine the person who is testing your patience right now who has brought you to the limit of your endurance, who has taught you the meaning of long suffering. Maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a child, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a politician, maybe it's somebody on the news, maybe it's just them. You know who I'm talking about, right? Oh, they're the worst. And and I, I am out of patience, we say, right? I've run out. There's no fresh crop of patience for that person and their tactics and what they do. I've run out of patience. You probably have. And if you have, it's not because of what they've done. It's because of where your roots are. When you run out of patience, it is not because they have come to the end of of your rope. It's because your roots have gotten unmoored from the patience of God. Because the patience you need to give them is not your patience anyway. It's God's patience through you. So here's what I want you to do. That person who is trying your last nerve, testing your patience. I want you to root yourself in the patience of God. Just anchor your life deep in God's persistent love, God's consistent grace, God's ongoing forgiveness of you even when you have fallen and faltered and stumbled. And then I just want you to give them that same patience. Just say, I'm just going to love you the way I've been loved. I just tell you, as for me, um, I am so dependent on the patience of God. I am utterly dependent on the long-suffering love of God. You know, I like to think there'll come a day when I will live a life that no longer needs God's loving kindness, patience for me. But I haven't gotten there yet. 
utterly dependent. It is the only foundation off which I stand is the, found, the patient grace of God. And consequently, I don't know how to respond to anybody else. The purpose of God's patience for you, you might be wondering, why is it that God puts up with me so long? Why is God continuing to show me loving kindness even when I have fallen and failed so many times? Well, the Bible says the purpose of God's patience is so that you might come to repentance and salvation rather than fall under judgment. This is why God is patient with you. It's because he loves you and wants to rescue you. Second Peter says, do not forget one thing. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. A thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow. It's not that God's slow, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient. He is long-suffering with you. That's what God is doing with you. God is suffering long with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but that everyone would come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. So God is patient with me. I start there. God is patient with me so that I might turn from my sin and brokenness and experience the blessing of repentance and obedience. God is patient with you so that you might turn from your sin and brokenness and experience the blessing of repentance and obedience. And we are patient with that same patience toward others so that they might turn from their sin and brokenness and experience the blessing of obedience and repentance. If you want to be patient with others, the only source is to root yourself in the patience of God for you. There is a second patience, though, that is essential to the Christian life. It is not just that we must be patient with others in the same way God has been patient with us. It is also that we must learn patience with God and patience with the way and will of God. I so deeply wish that this was not a needed discipline. I wish that all the actions of God happened on a timeline that I approved on. So learning to wait on the Lord was something none of us ever needed to learn. But that simply isn't the case. Patience with God, long-suffering with the way and will of God is a vital spiritual strength. You will never grow deeply in your life and love and faith until you begin to learn how to wait on the Lord. Because God rarely works on our timetable. So either we develop a sense of endurance to our faith, or our faith isn't worth very much. You see, when we lose patience with God, we either give up or find a shortcut. And both of these reactions are spiritually deadly. If we lose patience with God and give up, well, then we miss on the blessing that obedience and faithfulness and trust would have provided. This is basically what the whole book of Revelation is about. The, the most repeated command in the book of Revelation is, do not give up, for those who endure to the end will be saved. Again and again and again. Why does he say that? 
because they were long-suffering. Not short-suffering. You don't need patience for short-suffering. They were long-suffering. And he says, so you need the spiritual quality of patience with God so that you do not give up and fail to receive the blessing God has for you. The other danger when we lose patience with God is that we'll seek a shortcut. We seek shortcuts when we want the things of God more than we want God. And we think we've got a route to it. We seek shortcuts when the ways of the world seem like they are getting there faster than the ways of God, which seem like long-suffering. We take shortcuts relationally, right? We, we, we see the law of God that calls us to chastity that is so limiting to our desires and our, our need for intimacy. And God just says it's just this narrow path. And so we seek a shortcut and we go around it. We, we, we do this financially, right? God says he'll take care of us. He'll make sure we have bread for today. But we want financial security. And we, so we see a shortcut to wealth. And we cut a few corners or cheat a little bit. Or stop giving or t- prioritize something else. Because that's going to be a shortcut that will take us there. We, we, we take shortcuts culturally, right? We, we wish our culture was different and our world was different. We see things happening in the world that aren't happening and, and we, we know we're taught to pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. But, but somebody else says, no, if you, if you just, just align all yourself, you vote the right way and do this, if you get enough power, we can force the world to look like God wants it to. And we, we take the shortcut. We do this all the time. We, we take the shortcut. Why do we, why do we take all these shortcuts? Well, because waiting on God is long-suffering. It's long-suffering. Why do I know about these shortcuts? Well, because I've, I've taken every single one and, and many more than I could list, you know. We, we, want, we want to we get away from all this negative emotion that we're overwhelmed by. And somebody promises us that this drug or this bottle or this drink... It'll, it'll wash away all those negative emotions. It becomes the shortcut to just feeling relaxed for a second, you know, just to just get a break from all the pain. But the problem with all the shortcuts is that the shortcuts don't go to the place we were trying to get. And, and if you don't know that yet, that's only because you haven't walked them far enough. And I know where they go, and others here know where they go, because we've walked them a little farther. We're not proud of it, but we walked them long enough to find out they weren't getting us where we were going. So, learning to wait on God is spiritually essential. Long-suffering. Where are the roots? Well, here's what I've observed. It's easier to wait on someone when you know you can trust them. Let's listen to that again. It's easier to wait on someone when you know you can trust them. I've learned this uh, in in part by watching my wife, Betsy. My wife's amazing. And um, and sometimes she she waits on me very patiently. And sometimes she does not. Here's what I've observed, though. This is not a flaw in her character. You might be thinking that it is a flaw in her character. It is not a flaw in her character. It's the result of patient observation. I'll give you an example. If, for instance, my wife says to me, hey, Ethan, could you go pick up pizza for supper tonight? And I say yes. I will never hear about it again for the rest of the day. No reminders, no nagging. She is utterly patient 
Do you know why she's so patient? Because I have never once in 30 years forgotten to go get pizza. You see, if, if I am given the task of acquiring pizza, I succeed in that task. I may sometimes buy too much pizza. I might buy excessive pizza, but I have never once failed to access pizza. And so when my wife asks me to get pizza, she is radically patient. I have noticed no similar patience when my wife asks me, hey, Ethan, do you think today you could clean up the tools that you left all over the house after your last unsuccessful home repair project? For that, there is no patience. There is a series of reminders and text messages all throughout the day. What is the source of my wife's impatience? Is this some significant character flaw we've uncovered? No. It's because too many times we have fallen asleep at night and she has said to me, hey, so did you get a chance to get those tools? And I have said, oh, no, but I'll definitely do it tomorrow. Totally. It's absolutely going to get done tomorrow. You see, it is hard to be patient while you wait for an unreliable person. So, if our relationship with God depends on patience, if it depends on learning to wait on the Lord, and if waiting on the Lord is long-suffering, and it is, I don't mean to belittle this at all. Some of you are waiting on God to accomplish some things right now. You have an enemy that attacks you, and you're waiting on God to protect you from the enemy. You have a child that has gone astray, and you're waiting on God to recover that relationship. You have a relationship that is in chaos, and you're waiting on God to heal that relationship. Waiting on God is long-suffering. And if that is the fruit that you need, the roots that you have to develop are to anchor your life in the trustworthiness of God. If that's what you're struggling with today, I want to give you um, maybe a homework assignment, a gift, a discipline you could do. Uh, maybe, you, know, you know when you're transplanting plants, they make that little dust called root start. You dip the thing in, maybe you've done that. This is a little root start. For those of you who need the fruit of patience with God, okay? I'm going to put these three scriptures up on the screen. You might want to take a picture of these with your phone. If you need to wait on God right now, you can write this down. Take a picture with your phone. Isaiah 40, Psalm 27, and Psalm 37. I'll put them back up on the screen in a little bit. I want you to know a little bit what they say. Psalm 27 will tell you this. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Isaiah 40 says this, Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Psalm 37 says this, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. I confess to you that when I read those verses all by themselves, your first thought might be, now that sure would look good cross-stitched on a pillow, right? And I, I sort of have an allergy to Bible verses that would look good cross-stitched on a pillow, right? Because I don't live a cross-stitched pillow sort of life, you know? Waiting on God is not a cross-stitched pillow scenario. Waiting on God is long-suffering, and so I'd be sympathetic if you saw those verses all by themselves and you just thought that sounds a little too neat. Wait on the Lord and you'll mount up like eagles. Or wait. I get that. So let me tell you about these three chapters, okay? If you need to wait on God, you might need these words. Isaiah 40. 
is a reminder of the power and glory of God. Before he say, in verse 31, he says, therefore those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. But before that, he spent 30 verses reminding you of the trustworthy reliability of God. Like asking me to get pizza. Just say it once. You never got to remind me. Never forgotten to get pizza my entire life. Psalm 27. Before he in Psalm 27 says, I remain confident that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Before that, he reflects on the fact that he is currently surrounded by his enemies and his enemies have the upper hand. And he is tempted to stop trusting in the Lord and instead to trust in the armies of this world. And yet he is resolute that he will long suffer and wait on the Lord. Psalm 37 is written by someone who's contemplating some moral shortcuts. The whole, the, whole, the whole psalm is about him looking around and everywhere he sees, he sees people taking moral shortcuts with the justice system and the financial system and the legal system and their relationships. And he sees all the people taking moral shortcuts. He's like, maybe I need to get a shortcut. And so if that's you, if you're struggling to wait on the, on the ways of God and are contemplating moral shortcuts, go to Psalm 37. Because all of these passages are about situations in which the fruit of patience is very hard to find. I want to to be clear here. When you are waiting on God, yesterday's patience will not do. Yesterday's patience is three days old strawberries. They once were sweet and now they'll make you sick. You need fresh patience when you wait on the Lord. Fresh patience, which means you need your roots deep in the faithfulness and trustworthiness of the way and will and person of your God. Last chance, take a picture if you need that. I challenge you this week, just read those passages. One in the morning, one in the afternoon, one at night. One in the morning, one in the afternoon, one at night. As you reclaim your commitment to a long-suffering, endurant, patient waiting on God. Last thought. Last thought. Our, um, our most important story Uh, that Christians tell. The most important story we tell is the story of the death and resurrection of Jesus. On Friday, Jesus died on a cross for us and our salvation, taking on himself the sins of the whole world that we might be saved. On Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead, defeating the final enemy, which is death, so that all those who have died with Christ can live in him. He is the first fruits of the resurrection. That's Friday and Sunday. And in between, there's Saturday. And on Saturday, they waited. Saturday must have been awful for Jesus' disciples. Some of you sort of feel like you're living in Saturday today. You know what God has done, you know. And, 
And you've heard tell of what God will do. But in the moment, you're, you're waiting. And maybe a shortcut to something you desire looks pretty good right now. Maybe giving up sounds appealing. That'd be better than the long suffering of waiting. Saturday's a long day. This story, this Friday, Saturday, Sunday story is so important to us that it's the center of our worship every week. Every week we share in a meal called communion. Uh, If you're worshiping online, now would be a great time to grab those elements. If you're here in the room, I hope you got communion elements on the way in. If you didn't, just get a hand up, and we've got ushers that'll be around, and we'd love to give you communion. We've got to see somebody right here, a couple people over there. So if you need that, they're coming to you right now. Just get a hand up there. In this meal, we remember what God has done, the cross and the empty tomb. The bread, Christ's broken body, the cup, his shed blood. We remember that Christ has died for us and has risen, proving that he is the conqueror over even death. And in this meal, we proclaim what he will do. That he will return, that he will set all things right, that those who wait on the Lord will be saved. And in this meal, we wait. We wait. We wait with joy because the patience of God is for us. And I just need you to know that. The patience of God is with you today. God has not given up on you or forsaken you or abandoned you. God's love is for you. God is ready to forgive you and receive you. And we wait, asking that God would give us patience with him. Long-suffering patience when the will and way of God doesn't work as fast as we wish it did. When God's timing is different than ours. We're going to share in this meal together in just a minute. And maybe as we do that, you could just acknowledge to God your gratitude for God's patience. And acknowledge to God that you will wait. You will not seek a shortcut. You will not seek other paths. You will wait on the Lord. Blessed is the one who waits for the Lord. For they shall see salvation. Blessed is the one who waits for the Lord. For they shall see salvation. Let me pray for you. Oh God, we cannot say enough about your merciful patience. For without it, long ago, we would have been cast off. And now, God, give us in your mercy the capacity to patiently wait on the Lord. We wait on you, God. We seek no other rescue, we seek no other path than the one you lay before us. We trust no other timeline than the one you craft. We seek no other savior than the one you bring. 
Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.